BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone. My name is Jack Rico, and thank you for listening to episode 32 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. This is the show for those of you who love to live on the intersection of American and Latino pop culture. We have a terrific episode for you this week. I talked to Colombian superstar Juanes about some important questions, such as why he has never, ever collaborated with his Colombian comadre Shakira, why he will never, ever sing reggaeton, and why it's not in him to do an English-language crossover. Also, I talked to Hugo Balta, one of the executives responsible for Hispanicizing ESPN. We discuss everything from Latino accents to bilingual sports shows and everything in between. Colombian superstar Juanes was in New York City this week, and I had the privilege of interviewing him on Facebook Live for NBC Latino about his new visual album, Mis Planes Son a Marte. I asked him three key questions you will find interesting. Why hasn't he collaborated with Shakira? Is he open to doing reggaeton? And what has to happen for him to do an English language album? You've done a lot of duets. Tony Bennett. I mean, I can go on and on. Mm -hmm. How come you haven't done a duet with Shakira? Well, I don't know either. I think it's just because we don't have the time yet to, to meet each other like uh, well. And Do just you know each other? Yeah, we know each other. We, we had a couple of conversations in the past, like five minutes, ten minutes. But so never. you're not friends, but you know each other, you're acquainted. Yeah, yeah of course, and, and, and I respect her a lot, and I, and I, you know, I really think she's a very talented uh, person. And, and I think uh, in the future, maybe someday, but I don't want to do it because 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 of the uh, commercial reasons. I want to do it because it's so, so it feels it good because it's a g- cool song and, and and I want her to feel the same. So if someday we are on the same page, we can do it. Radio airplay. Mm-hmm. Right now in the United States, when you tune into a Spanish language radio station, it is very heavy on reggaeton. Yeah, and someone like you who does not sing or perform reggaeton. Um, it's probably a little tough to get your music on radio because of the competition of reggaeton. Shakira decided to do basically a reggaeton album. She's explored those topics before. Mm-hmm. You're working with reggaeton and hip hop producers. Do you feel that there's any pressure on Juanes and his work to have to adapt to the music that's being played right now with reggaeton and become a reggaeton singer <laughs> at any point? No, no, definitely not. I mean, of course, the pressure is somewhere. I mean, somebody's you still have probably to sell think. You yeah, have but, to but, 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 but uh, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to uh, follow the trends. I just want to do my music and I want to keep doing music the way I feel, honestly. I love reggaeton music and I, and I enjoy it a lot when I am in a party or in a disco. My, my kids love reggaeton. But, but it's more than just make a reggaeton song. You have to have the attitude. 
to do a reggaetonero, so you know? So the record label hasn't so pressured you to do no, a, no, no, no. a version of reggaeton no, no, no. or anything? No, no, no. They, they, they know the way I think and they support me a lot. And, and, and uh, that's something really special for me. Sometimes when you go to, the, to, to one of my songs to the radio, you know, and some radios, they ask for a duet with reggaeton. And I say, no, I mean, thank you, I'm sorry, it's fine. As a Colombian, there's another Colombian superstar, mm. Shakira. Yeah who decided to leave Spanish and then go into English. Mm -hmm. And she became a global superstar. And I think that a lot of people s felt that Juanes was gonna go down in the same route. Mm -hmm. Shakira didn't know any English, mm -hmm. but she sang in English and it worked out well. In this song, when you sang in English, was the purpose to try to reach an Anglo audience, a bigger audience, and for you to become a global superstar, where right now it's probably amongst the Hispanics? I don't think so. You know, when, when we decided to put this uh, song in the album, it was because I just fell in love with the song. You know, of course I wanted to sing in English someday. I was like doing some experiments about, you know, singing in English, but never with the idea of record like the whole album in English and go to, to, to that direction. Is uh, that something that you don't want to do ever? And why? Why don't well you want to reach an Anglo audience? Because I want to keep writing my music. And, and I can I can write music in English. It's, it's impossible. It's very hard for me. I still think in Spanish, and I feel comfortable singing in Spanish and talking in Spanish. Now I I can speak with you in English, and I can understand you the language. Perfect. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. If you're speaking this well, then and you sing so well in the in the song "Goodbye After Tomorrow," right? Good, good, goodbye for now. Goodbye for now. Yeah. The the, the question is. I think that a lot of people will love an English language Juanes album. Yeah, I mean, w definitely, you know, this this uh, song "Goodbye for Now" is like mm -hmm. the first step, and we wanna keep doing doing it like this, like one song here, maybe one song after, but but not like go with 100% uh, an English album because I really wanna sing in Spanish. It's, it's good for me. But now I have my three kids, like uh, born in, in the United States, they speak both languages. And and they enjoy when they li listen to me singing in, in English. Yeah, Sometimes they I'm laugh. Sure. <laughs> Sometimes they laugh. Head over and listen to the full interview on NBC Latino's Facebook page. It's time for Jack Din. Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. Mexican actor Diego Luna will be joining Berlin I Love You. Jimmy Kimmel will return to host the Oscars in 2018. Zac Efron will play Ted Bundy in a movie. And Tom Cruise's The Mummy eyes a $40 million weekend June 9th. Changing to the small screen, it was upfront week, and here are the biggest TV highlights of the week. Univision will air the Champions League Summer 2018. Telemundo brings back La Reina del Sur 2 with Kate del Castillo, and the official Luis Miguel biopic has its new star, Diego Boneta. ABC announces return of American Idol, Roseanne, and a live musical version of Little Mermaid. And NBC brings back Will and & Grace and will do a live version of A Few Good Men and Jesus Christ Superstar. Switching over to music... Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee's Despacito featuring Justin Bieber is the number one song in America regardless of language. It's the third Latin track to ever achieve that mark. Shakira and Enrique Iglesias perform at the Univision and Telemundo upfronts respectively. Shakira also performed the quick surprise song of Chantaje at a New York City park this Wednesday. Listen in. Puro, puro puro, puro puro 
Univision's Premio Juventud has revamped their format with new categories such as Best Song for Singing, Best Fashionista, Best Song for Dancing, Best Instagram and Breakthrough Artist, plus recognizes young Latinos who have made a difference in the world. And Chris Cornell, one of the fathers of grunge music, has passed away at 52. And in digital and social media news, Twitter co-founder Bizstone returns to the company, Spotify is looking to go public, Facebook is now making it easier for you to order food with its order food option on the app, soon you'll be able to voice chat with YouTube commenters in virtual reality, and according to a new research, Instagram is the most damaging social media platform when it comes to young people's mental health. And by the way, is Chris Evans' Captain America about to date Anna Navarro from CNN? Go to Twitter and check it out. In the last few weeks, critics have knocked ESPN for a number of reasons, but there's one reason you can't knock them on, and that's their recognition of the power of the Latino market. From Latino anchors, bilingual shows, and ESPN Deportes, Hugo Balta, the senior director of Hispanic initiatives for ESPN, is making a statement, and I noticed. Here to discuss how ESPN Hispanicized their programming is Hugo Balta. And Hugo, you're, you're Peruvian. You're Peruvian-American. Yes, yes. Uh, Your parents are from Lima? Yes, both my parents are from Lima, and they met in uh, in Patterson, New Jersey, which is about it's an inner city, about thirty minutes uh, from uh, Manhattan. And mm -hmm. Patterson um, really, be, you know, beginning in the '60s and certainly through the '70s, and even now, uh, became an entry point for a lot of Peruvians into the United States. And in fact. Um, The, the tri-state area um, is home to more than 400,000, I believe, if, if uh, memory serves me right, of Peruvian, Peruvian Americans, the largest uh, colony of Peruvians outside of Peru. That's why every time I go to a Colombia-Peru game, Peruvians are like all over the stadium. And I'm thinking, where are the Colombians at? Well, you know, you know I, I'm married to a Colombian, a Colombian native. From oh, my God. So how is you, that uh, when you two guys watch a game? You know, it's Peru it's, or it, Colombia. It's always an interesting uh, time at home. Uh, and we have two children as well, uh, a daughter and a son. So, you know, we pick our spots. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but one thing is certain, one, one of us is going to win. You know, it's interesting. Um, there's a movie that just came out this weekend called Lowriders. And it's a Universal Pictures film about the car culture. And uh, it's a family drama out of uh, East L.A. The director is Ricardo de Montreil, and he's Peruvian. And I had asked him a question. I said, you know, now, now that I think about it, I can't remember the last Peruvian who directed a film in Hollywood. And now I kind of sort of ask you the same thing. I haven't heard that many Peruvians in the sports industry. Do you know any outside of yourself that are in the business? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, you know, not, not, not someone that quickly... Uh, puffs to mind. I mean, I, I work with Michael Urunaga, who's also Peruvian American, and he works for ESPN Radio. Um, but specifically in sports, no, not that I can think Interesting, of. Interesting, right? So I think that now you have your, your work cut out for you because you're going to have to bring in more Peruvians into the fold uh, just to kind of <laughs> have a good number there. Um, you know, I, I've been reading a lot about you, and, uh, you know, obviously you and I. I'm sure we've met. You know, you used to be the news director over at Telemundo. I used to work over at Univision back in the day. Uh, I'm sure that at some point we've met, we've hung out, we've uh, chatted, we've seen each other. 
Um, how did you end up leaving news Telemundo and working your way into ESPN? That's a, you know, that's a good question. You know, my, the, the bulk of my career has been in straight news, uh, both at the local, um, cable news and network level and in both English language and Spanish language. And I was with WCBS at the time I was the managing editor, uh, at the station in New York when I received a phone call from a third party that was recruiting for ESPN. And at first I thought, you know, they've got the wrong person, right? I, <laughs> I, I, like, hey, I do news. I don't do sports. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I really, um, as an outsider looking in, and certainly I've, I, I, like many sports fans, watch ESPN, watch SportsCenter. So very familiar with the with the network and with the programming. And I really just kind of felt like, Everybody that worked at ESPN was this encyclopedia of sports. And while sports certainly was part of what we covered um, both uh, at the network level and at local, um, it wasn't, from my perspective, not as in-depth as what I was watching, uh, as sophisticated as, as what I was watching at ESPN. But when I started having, you know, having conversations with the recruiter and then going through the interview process... Um, I was very much uh, relieved um, that this is uh, ESPN is like MSNBC, like CNN, like so many other news networks, um, except the focus is, of course, sports. sports. And um, and really now being here almost seven years, I, I can tell you it's, it's and I've been very blessed to work for many, um, many news networks um this has working at, at espn as far as the the attention to detail the the news gathering the uh the care in ensuring to first get it right instead of first being first um i've never worked for another media company that really uh, takes the pains to make sure that the T's are crossed and the I's are right. dotted. Are, are you constantly bringing some sort of Hispanic idea to the table? Do those get rejected? Do the How is the criteria of approving the process? How much do you have to push? Uh, do you have a whole department behind you? Is there a whole like summit up front just for Hispanic or... Is this something where you're really having to struggle with the executives to convince them uh, that Hispanic is the way to go? Well, you know, you know, and again, a really good question, right? So I'll start by saying that the culture at ESPN really um, is a mirror of of the genre that we cover of sports, meaning that it's very competitive, and everyone here. Uh, laces up, right? Everyone is constantly working very hard to make that uh, starting five, mm -hmm. you know, to, to make the A team. And so uh, whether it's Hispanic initiatives, whether it's, uh, you know, ESPNW, the undefeated, whether it's uh, the NFL team or the NBA team, every day everyone's competing um, to get to the front of the line, you know, and I've, I've been working on the digital space in the last, uh, two plus years and everyone competes to get their story, get their sport, um, as much visibility and reach as possible. Right. So I, I, I really appreciate that culture. And, and again, Hispanic initiatives isn't any different in regards to, to that aspect. Well, it's the really, second, 
I was going to say, it's really cool that you say that because ESPN seems to be one of the most open-minded companies when it comes to diversity and inclusion uh, because it's really evident on TV. And that is a kudos to you because I still remember watching, I mean, I'm talking about like maybe last year, I started watching a bilingual show. I think it was called Nacion ESPN or uh, One Nacion, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. That that that's uh, One Nacion is. It, it was freaked our, me our out. Annual. It freaked me out because I was like, "Wait a minute! I am so not used to seeing that on air." First of all, being bilingual is one thing, but hearing other people being bilingual on TV is a whole different beast. Explain to me how you got to get One Nacion. Uh, or, or Nacion ESPN on TV, and how did you approach the bilingual aspect of it? You know, I, I, you know, what you just described is, in a nutshell, the challenge um, in media. So what is organic to you and to myself when we are with friends, with family, feels strange when we're watching or listening to media English language media because it's so infrequent. Yes, uh, it's rare. <laughs> exactly, and so so it's not rare in real life, but it's rare in media. Uh -huh. So the the One Nacion, which which uh, started four years ago, was really an initiative to reflect the reality of U.S. Hispanics. Now, when we talk about U.S. Hispanics, and you know, I, I've been around the block enough. Um, 47 years old, 20 plus years in the industry. When when I first started being involved in conversations about reaching the U.S. Hispanic audience, it was primarily in Spanish language, mm -hmm. and then it started to transition to bilingual. And now, given the numbers, uh, the ma the majority of the nearly 55 million. Uh, U.S. Hispanic population, the majority of them are U.S. born, speak English, and are bilingual. And so it's very much also an English-dominant conversation. But in the United States, we have this very unique subculture of bilingual, bicultural uh, millennials that sift through language uh, with ease and consume news and entertainment and information in both languages and sometimes interchanging both. And so, for example, as a, as a, you know, second generation U.S. Hispanic, mm -hmm. I grew up watching baseball, NFL, NBA, Same and English. Here. Same here. And I grew up watching, I grew up watching football, international football, yep. soccer with my father and grandfather and family in Spanish. And now at 47 years old, that's still the case. I gravitate to uh, ESPN for uh, a tr traditional American sports like baseball, football, and basketball. And I gravitate to ESPN Deportes and the Telemundos and Univisions uh, of the world when it comes to soccer. And so that is, that is a subculture that bilingual, bicultural U.S. Hispanic is a subculture of the United States that we consciously said is not being reflected on media on linear uh, on linear media on digital media and um, that's how that that uh, program was born that brand was born and extended to uh, digital and audio and so you had these statistics the research papers you walk into uh, was it Freddy's or maybe John Skipper's office and you sit down and you go listen we got to do this show we got to go bilingual. 
and I got the talent to do it. You know, Marley Rivera, Jorge Sedano. I think at one point Max Bretos was was on it. I, I think I believe uh, Bernardo Osuna, right? So they all they're bilingual. They're a new generation, like the evolution of the Latin American of the United States. And they're going to be talking sports either in Spanish or in English. Did he think you were crazy when you first approached him with this idea? You know, it it, it starts with conversations beforehand, right? So, you right, know, so you got to ease I, him I, in into it, right? Well, yeah, you know, but I'm also <laughs> in a position existed before. Like, I, I am the senior director of Hispanic Initiatives, but it's not as if someone had this position and they moved on. I was the senior director of multicultural content, and it's not as if I stepped into a position that historically has been uh, a, a staple of ESPN. So I work for a company that is not risk averse. I work for a company that understands if, you know, from That's its onset, amazing. right? Mm-hmm. From being, you know, from from 1979, having an idea about a, a, a cable network dedicated to sports, which at the time was thought of as a crazy idea that would never work. So right, I remember I, that. Yeah. I, I'm fortunate to really be able to, uh, in many ways, be a startup in a very established media company. And so um, nothing is off the table when it comes to uh, ideas, whether it's, you know, Hispanic initiatives or other. And so I'm fortunate that um, I have leadership that while that might not be their experience, they, they certainly empower their their staff, their employees, their leaders, um, who are in this case closest to uh, that community, say, mm-hmm. "Listen, if you if you if you draw it up, we'll roll with it, you know, um, and and let's see, you know, what we what we what we see." Uh, and that's really how it started. So it launched in 2016. Am I correct in saying that? Do I have the? Well, there's there, there's two things, right? So there's there's the One Nacion um, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month special that launched. In 2013, and then that became uh, uh, our, the di- uh, a, a brand that grew on digital. What you, ne- then? What we did was Nacion ESPN, which is uh, what the program that you're talking about. That launched in September of 2016 with Marie Rivera, Jorge Sedano, and Bernardo Osuna. That was also again an evolution of this once a year special, and so that. That in, initial pilot was to uh, to mirror the NFL season and sort of kind of go dark uh, at the end of the season. But it did so well uh, it, it, with the audience. It did so well in the marketplace that it, it got picked up for the rest of the year. So we're continuing to evolve. That's great. That. Congratulations on that, Hugo. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we, we're... We're continuing to evolve that program and using that that program and other initiatives like it beforehand to continue to grow the foundation of of not only um, uh, how ESPN reaches U.S. Hispanics, but how it integrates across different network across different networks and platforms within ESPN. Right, because you have both to, in English and Spanish. You have to find that balance to interweave the actual general market sports of uh, the country. Plus, uh, inject some of the sports of Latin American. What's been the feedback so far by the viewers and the executives uh, on this? Have has there been any criticisms of the bilingual and the Spanish on general market air? You know, one one of the things that that 
that people don't know is that that this program, and, and again, it, it really demonstrates the depth of talent uh, at ESPN. The Nacion ESPN on ESPN2 is the first program that is produced by a team from ESPN Deportes on an English language network. Oh, wow. Look um, at that. Okay. And, and that's just that again, that's just is, is telling of saying, Hey, you know who it's not about creating silos, but really integrating uh, both the, the talent uh, in front of the camera and behind the camera in developing and producing content. It also now, makes it authentic, Hugo, as well. A- absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Because it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a, authoritative voice. Uh, um, now, of course, you know, all feedback is not positive. I think some, some of the constructive feedback that we've received is it's, you know, the, we're, we don't, we continuously are sensible not to be patronizing. So for example, you know, I, I like remember his pandering is, is that like a, one of the words used? Exactly. You know, th- there is a, and some of it is born out of unconscious bias, right? So there's a misconception that a U.S. Hispanic sports fan um, is all about international soccer. soccer, you know, international football, soccer, exactly. But, you know, we uh, both uh, curate research and and, and certainly internally uh, commission uh, research. And I'll, you know, happy to share with you a, a, a Nielsen study done a couple of years I'd ago. I'd love to see it, yeah. In regards to language proficiency from English to Spanish, overwhelmingly, for U.S. Hispanic sports fans, uh, the NFL, as an example, made the top five. And it, 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 you know, it teetered from, say, number one to number three, given language proficiency. But uh, 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 fandom, when it comes to U.S. Hispanics, mm-hmm. all it's not all football, uh, football. It's not all boxing. It's not all MLB. It's also NBA. It's also NFL. And another example of the popularity of of football and the NFL is Mexico. The second most popular league in Mexico is the NFL. Get out of here. And that is um, that is a lot of what drives the content being produced out of ESPN Mexico, not only for Mexico, but also for the, uh, for the United States, for ESPN Deportes. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Highly Relevant Podcast. If you happen to be searching for some new music with a Latino vibe, here's a taste of three new tracks by Selena Gomez, Camila Cabello, and a One Republic Latin collabo. Oh, I'm Bad Liar, Selena Gomez. No Vacancy, One Republic featuring Sebastián Yatra. Crying in the Club, Camila Cabello. Universo, which is part of the Telemundo, it's the cable sister network of Telemundo, they sure. decided to go into creating, they, they killed Mundos, which is a bilingual network, and they decided to create 
a basically a sports network uh, in anticipation of the World Cup coming up next year. Yeah. And I think they had and, the right. And they, and they launched, and they launched at the Super Bowl in 2016. That's right. And I was always wondering, I, first of all, as an American who happens to also have uh, Colombian parents, I'm a Colombian American, I have to watch my football, my NFL in English. So I switched over and I heard it in Spanish, and it just sounded really weird to me. And I couldn't handle it for too long. I could only handle it in small doses in order to support and to kind of have a different audio experience, right? Um, but NASCAR, hockey, basketball, it, because those are not Latin American native sports, are they better heard in English or is there is there a population or a group of a contingency of viewership that loves, and is there a growing viewership that loves all of these sports, the, the American sports in Spanish? It goes back to language proficiency. So... Whether the genre is sports, news, or music, uh, at the base is the ability of the audience to understand what they're consuming. So um, that, when it comes to the United States and understanding that a large portion of U.S. Hispanics are foreign-born, depending on the time that they've been in the country, that shifts. So. Um, general, and I'm, you know, generalizing, but someone that has just arrived to about three years within the country, they are consuming news and information entertainment in Spanish, Spanish based on just their language skills. So, um, that doesn't mean, and, and part of their sports preference is based on that as well, because they, 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 they're, they're, for example, a person from Mexico is probably going to be exposed more to soccer than they are, say, baseball. So that's a factor. Now, when you start to talk, when you start to include um, U.S. Hispanics that have been in the country, foreign born, three or three or plus years, or a second generation U.S. Hispanic that's bilingual, and again, proficiency varies, it's all about what you're exposed to and how you grew up uh, consuming a particular sport, uh, et cetera. Like we, we were talking about, um, you know, we, we consume the soccer in Spanish because that's how we were brought up. Here's my experience in soccer. When the World Cup is on and Colombia or Mexico or, you know, any Latin American team, I usually end up going to Univision just to watch the games. But when the United States play, I want to hear the American perspective on it. And I feel like the Univision is so pro-Mexican, you know, that they can't be generous to the American, uh, you know, uh, the, the fandom, you know, for soccer. So I tune over to ESPN or ABC, whoever's playing it, and that's how I watch. Is that weird to you, or does, does that no, sound no, no, normal? No, 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 You know, for example, I, I prefer watching EPL uh, in, in English, it, yeah, but right? La Liga in Spanish. I mean, yeah. it's... it's, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> and we, but, but but we have that luxury, right? That we're we're proficient. Oh, we're special enough, like uh, that, proficient man. enough in English and Spanish that we can choose. Absolutely, that's um, the cool thing about being bilingual and bicultural. And you you mentioned before about authenticity. So one of the other things that uh, we see now more and more, but I'll I'll tell you, very was very assertive and from the start, uh, especially when I joined ESPN, is to hear a person's real voice. So I've worked with Telemundo and Telemundo, Telemundo New York. And a lot of times, you know, when you're working in New York City, 
a lot of the lawmakers, the principals around government, politics, community, they're English speaking. And often what we would do is we would interview them because the, the journalists are bilingual. We would interview them in English and then dub it. we would dub over their answer in, in Spanish. Um, and now what I see more and more is subtitles. No, let subtitles. Right. Let, let the audience. And, and look, we're used to that. You, you walk. You walk down anywhere, any borough in New York City, and you're inundated with different languages, different accents, etc. What's most important is hearing the person's voice. And we're used to, especially because of social media, Mm -hmm. two subtitles. There's a difference when, per se, I I saw um, a report about a tragedy that happened in Mexico a couple of days ago with uh, fireworks. There's a difference when a mother, in her own voice is describing losing her son, then somebody's dispassionate voice dubbed over what she's saying. We don't want to lose that authenticity of original voice because that the, 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 the subtleties of a person's voice and how they, you know, peaks and valleys, the, in, the, the, the dictation of their voices, that's very important in how we as human beings absorb information. A couple more questions before we wrap up here, Hugo. Um, are you in any way involved in ESPN Deportes, uh, Deportes Radio, Deportes.com? Uh, and how is ESPN Deportes, outside of uh, Nacion ESPN, how is it influencing uh, the general market ESPN that we uh, have all come to love? I am a member of the ESPN Deportes family. Um, ESPN Deportes uh, is an integral part of ESPN, not just in the various platforms in Spanish language domestically, radio, television, uh, digital, um, but also in how in assisting ESPN in reaching this audience. And I gave the example of a ESPN Deportes team producing Nacion ESPN on E2 on integrating uh, uh, both talent behind the camera, in front of the camera, uh, in producing content that is authentic, that is organic, um, that is sensitive to the uh, U.S. Hispanic, the, the total market experience mm-hmm. in both English and Spanish and, and uh, selectively bilingual. It is also part of the, uh, the uh, key in working with our team at ESPN. The, uh, I've seen you guys do soccer games, probably with the World Cup, where you have somebody from ESPN Deportes, I think Jorge Ramos, might be in studio or on the field you know, as a correspondent. I love that, man. And no one seems to... I mean, FS1 now is doing that with Fernando Fiore, which has now become a part of the host, but that's a whole other conversation. But I do love the fact that you guys interweave both cultures seamlessly without, you know, fear of the person's accent, which has been a big problem in mainstream media. If you have a little bit of an accent, hey, you're out of here. We don't want to freak out the audience. The white Anglos are going to call in and they're going to fire me. Uh, let's keep it safe. Let's have Hispanics who have a perfect American accent. So when you when you decided to start integrating that, did you get any resistance from the executives? What you just described is unconscious bias, right? So a lot of times those decisions are made not – they're said that they're made with the audience in mind when in fact – it is made because of the comfortability factor of the decision makers. You know, I, I, I've often been a very vocal uh, critic 
of that there there's no news organization that bats an eye in hiring a journalist that has a British accent. Um, but they certainly have a lot of concerns with uh, a journalist that has a so-called uh, Spanish accent. And what I say to them is, listen, if you walk anywhere between New York <laughs> right. City and Los Angeles, I promise you, you're going to come across someone that has a quote-unquote Spanish accent before uh, you come across someone that has a British accent. Right. So if there's an accent that is much more common in the United States, regardless of the market, it's going to be this Spanish accent. Um, so this this whole notion of alienating uh, audiences because someone has an accent is really a reflection of the decision makers and not the audience itself. One. Secondly, I think um, to your point, of course, you know, uh, any whether it's accents, whether it's content, whether it's sports, anything that is different or is not part of of someone's experience is automatically going to be met with some resistance. But um, uh, again, to not you know to to the credit of of many uh, leaders at ESPN. The fact that, uh, as you've you've noted, you know you've you've mentioned many times in different uh, examples, um, the fact that we're we are doing it and assertively and and in our major networks, ESPN, ESPN two, um, is testament to um, the the willingness to try new things uh, to un- to to say, hey, you know we. we it might not be my experience, but if it's the experience of our audience, then we should go for it. I think the next level, because everything you mentioned is very specific to uh, tentpole events that are, you know, uh, big events for U.S. Hispanics like a soccer tournament or even the Super recently, Bowl, believe it or not. Yeah, the, the Super Bowl, but but also Chavez uh, um, Canelo. The bo- versus oh, Chavez yeah. Two. The boxing matches. Right. The 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 next step. And we're doing it, but we need to do it even more assertively, is the integration across all sports, not just specifically a World Cup, not just specifically a marquee fight like Canelo Tavis Jr. This is during the regular season of the NFL, during the regular season of MLB, NBA, etc. We need to integrate much better on a day-to-day basis. And, and we're, we're, we're on our way. Um, but if, if I'm if I'm going to be you know honest and 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 be fair in in, uh, in criticizing, we need to do more of that. Hugo, thank you so much uh, for everything you've been doing in this media industry. Uh, and I know you have a passion for diversity and inclusion, especially in non-Hispanic platforms, and educating them on the importance of the Hispanic community. For me, as a bilingual man. I love everything that you've been doing at ESPN. It's made ESPN much more personal to me. Uh, first of all, it's just a sports network I used to tune in to watch Sports Center, but now I feel some sort of affinity to it. And uh, a lot of that has to be because of you. So, once again, thank you very much. Thanks a lot for being on the podcast, Hugo. Thank you very much for inviting me. To wrap for a 30-second episode of the Highly Relevant Podcast, I'd like to thank Juanes and Hugo Banta for being on the show, and I want to thank you guys, as always, for listening. If you want to get a shout-out from us, tweet me at JackRicoOfficial on Twitter. That's JackRicoOfficial. We're now on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Stitcher. Also, please subscribe and share with your friends. 
See you again next Friday on another episode of Highly Rep. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.